democracy next year. And then we mark a very, very important milestone election uh, that coincides with 30 years of democracy. Can this democracy sustain for another 30 years? And yes. that was what motivated me to say, what, what comes next for South Africa? That's a terrible place mm. to be in as a country, mm. to say you had a president who made bad decisions. Now you have a president who makes no decisions. Because uh, Paul Mashatile did not take the deputy presidency position on the basis that he's not going to make it to the presidency. Mm. There's a very deliberate uh, 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 pathway for him. Uh, he's not going to be a David Mabuza in any way. So, so on, yeah. on one hand, and the second, yeah. the second thing is, they, they, they were very simple, easy solutions recommended by the Chief Justice mm. against the exacerbation of state capture yeah. that has not been implemented. Spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX, and today I'm extremely excited to welcome a returning guest on this show. She is a journalist extraordinaire, the author of three books now, I believe, and we're going to be speaking about the most recent book that she has co-authored. Kanita Hunter, welcome to SMWX. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be back. Yes, yeah. Well, when we first spoke on SMWX, we were both young and naive. It was just after the 2019 election. A lot has happened since then. The world is a different place. <laughs> Indeed. Definitely. Indeed. And three books later. Three. Well, some of us have only written one since then. <laughs> but um, yeah. How do you write so many books? The thing is, you do quality, I do quantity. <laughs> yeah, if you say so. <laughs> I agree. I agree with the quality of mine. But I think there's a lot of quality in yours too, may I just say. Thank you. Who Will Rule South Africa is the latest book that you have co-authored. Uh, tell us why you think this is an important book. I think the big conversation in South Africa now, and it has been for quite a while, is what is the future of this country? Where is this country going? Uh, in the more uh, affluent spaces, you have the conversation around, should we leave, should we go? You know, th that, that conversation. Yeah. Uh, the conversation uh, in, 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 in townships is, you know, how bad can it get beyond this when you have no electricity for 12 hours? Sure. When you had all of this hope uh, uh, that had been, you know, sort of, put in President Cyril Ramaphosa and, you know, the ANC was given this sort of final shot uh, in 2019. Yeah. What now for South Africa? The fact that you have this accelerated decline and people are feeling it, tasting it, whether it is the cost of, of living, whether it is the state of the economy, whether it is the rapidly deteriorating uh, public infrastructure, you can feel a country on decline. Yeah, and yeah. so the question then is, as we celebrate 30 years of democracy next year, and then we mark a very, very important milestone election uh, that coincides with 30 years of democracy, can this democracy sustain for another 30 years? And yeah. that was what motivated me to say, what, what comes next for South Africa? Mm, mm. It's an important question because we've learned from the July unrest, we've learned from COVID, we've learned from pre even President Sol Ramaphosa's appointment yeah. that politics is intrinsically linked to the future of South Africa. But does 
politics totally define the future of South Africa. Mm. And that's what I set out to do sure. in co-writing this book. Absolutely. And the book is interesting in that it in some ways surveys the last, well, a long period of South African democratic history, but also very interestingly, the last five years and, and the Ramaphosa administration. When we first met, you had just published your, your other book, which was kind of a a preview and an understanding of how that administration might work. Hmm. What do you think is your, or what is your assessment of the Ramaphosa term? I think that it failed opportunity. I think that's the first thing. There was a lot of optimism. There was a lot of euphoria uh, around around what the possibilities that come along the election of this man. Sure, uh, sure. I think that that was extremely naive uh, in understanding the complex problems South Africa has. Number one, and number two, uh, it, it is a, quite a big task to 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 put on anybody's shoulders to believe that one man can fix it all. I do think that that goodwill was a lost opportunity for the president because he could have used it in in so many different ways. And I think it was yeah. squandered in the early part of his presidency to the point where uh, uh, when a country is, is uh, you know, on the decline, you, you, you then cannot control control how, how quickly it, it sort of falls off the cliff. And so the idea was that we were going to be kind of sort of pulled back as a country. But in many respects, we have not. And when you take certain metrics and you look at it quite objectively, you understand that things have also gotten worse in the last 15 years. Mm. And so this book is not meant to to to, uh, to shame the ANC. This is not an ANC bashing exercise. Mm. This is understanding South African democracy in 30 years and understanding that this party that has been the majority party for the last 30 years is on the brink of perhaps losing its majority or losing its 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 firm majority. Yeah. And so what does that mean? Uh, the Ramaphosa years, and, 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 and this is the advantage that this book uh, bring, uh, gives you is that it, 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 I, I sort of try to explain the nuances of what was happening behind the scenes, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the incapacity of the state and the president's approach to ignore the incapacity of the state and try to set up parallel structures, for example. Mm. And I go into great detail about how that hasn't really worked out in so many areas, mm. whether it's in the state or an enterprise field, whether it is in in, in, in combating gender-based violence or, or dealing with the ESCOM crisis. Mm. So the idea that he, he that he came in or, 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 or the style that he came in, in was... I am not going to disrupt the status quo in any way. All I'm going to do is I'm going to try to set up parallel structures and impose it mm. on already failing state, mm. uh, state structures and, and state institutions mm. and hope for the best. And if we think about it and if we look about look at the different areas that 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 that, that, that was implemented in, just if you um you 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 don't see any success story. Um, you, you you look at the state of Transnet at the moment. Mm. If you look at the state of, you know, um, uh, for example, basic education and, and the fact that kids under the age of 10, 80% of kids under the age of 10 cannot read for meaning. And these are not metrics. These are not entirely legacy of apartheid uh, sure. problems. These yeah. are problems that have actually gotten worse over time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, the idea is to understand that for me, um, just sort of dismissing the ANC 
takes us nowhere. So what we sought to do was to go to the exercise to say the NC 1994 promised these things. Where are they with regards to this? We mm-hmm. gave them a 40% a 40 out of 100 score, yeah. uh, which some people may agree with, some people may disagree with. The thing is, Sizwe, what I found quite fascinating, mm. even subsequently to the, to the publishing of this book, is that what the ANC does very, very well is they're able to diagnose their problems really well. Yeah. And so very few leaders will disagree with the diagnosis presented in this book because they understand that there has been these failures. Local government is in a complete dismal state. Um, and, and, and that, uh, you know, things have deteriorated at ESCOM, things have deteriorated at Transnet, etc. So, I mean, I, I, there's mm-hmm. chapters per, per failure, if you, if you like. <laughs> but, but the point is that to understand where we are, we had to traverse where we've come from. And that's very important. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why this, this book is worth reading is because maybe no one has followed this presidency as closely as you have you've you've worked really hard reporting but also in in your more senior roles now really following the presidency and you probably understand it better than at least any of the other outside observers um what do you think characterizes the the Ramaphosa presidency and help us understand whether strengths or weaknesses mm. you know what what has gone into this presidency from the way that you've been able to see it and understand it i think on the positive side, that yeah. there's good intent. Sure. I think that that you were not dealing with, you know, malicious, nefarious yeah. uh, intent, uh, uh, at least at least uh, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, the immediate adverse consequence of of this presidency is indecision, mm. and 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 sometimes you have to then weigh bad decisions against indecision and you have to say which is the worst devil and that's a terrible place mm. to be in as a country mm. to say you had a president who made bad decisions now you have a president who makes no decisions yeah and that's the difficulty of it you also see a a a, a, a president who who put party before state and he would argue that you, it was it was successful in the sense that the ANC is more united now. The RET faction, so-called RET faction, is you know dead in the waters within the ANC, sure. if you like, um, and that and that the party has wholeheartedly adopted reform agendas. Mm-hmm. The reality and the practicality of it is that what Palapala did. Into uh, uh, last year, the allegations against President Ramaphosa that continue to unravel every oh single my. day, despite uh, 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 the reports, uh, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, protecting him, yeah. is that it equalized the playing field. Mm. And what that does then is that there's no leader in the ANC that has more of a moral authority than the other, because you have Palapala to explain, I have Busasa to explain, you have uh, Kandla yeah. to explain, another person has Gupta to explain. Yeah. And so what it does is it, it equalizes the playing field to the point that the president has not been able to hold moral authority. Mm-hmm. That's the first bit. The second bit is you're dealing with a crisis or with a series of crises that are so far gone that it is almost as if people have stopped uh, hoping for an interview. Mm. The, the, mm. the, the, the kind of shrugging of the sh- collective shrugging of our shoulders yeah. has taken over the nation to say, 
We don't think this man actually has the answers that we thought he did. And so when there are efforts to explain away the crisis at ESCOM and stage six load shedding, there's always a sense of distrust. And I think that that boils down to the squandering of the, of the good faith that there was with obviously no merit, right? The good faith was just on the basis that you can't be better than the old guy. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the premise can't of- You can't be worse. You can't be worse. Yeah. And so, so, so now there's a sense of, 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 of being let down. Mm. But, but there's, a, there's an interesting position that South Africa is at the moment is that while you see, and the 2021 election results pointed to that, and I think the polls are, uh, for the upcoming election are showing a similar pattern. While you see a, a rapid decline in support for the governing ANC, you are not seeing a, a, a rise in, in support, accelerated support for at least the second or the third sure. opposition party that comes after the ANC. And that is so bizarre in many ways. Mm. It also points to a nation that is perhaps disillusioned by party politics. And I think that coalitions on a local level, especially in the metros, but all over the country, have exposed to South Africans the notion that one may not be better than the other. You've had, you have a DA mayor in Tswane. It's not great. You have an AIC mayor in, in Ikoruleni. Things are dismal. You have an ANC mayor in Etekwini. Things are awful. Yeah. So, so that that idea that the opposition is a viable option, it almost became a scenario. And I mean, we unpack this in, in in great detail when mm. we deal with coalitions. Is that political parties, especially the small ones, almost sought to say, if we can't beat the ANC, we'll join the ANC. Mm. Mm. And so you're seeing a replica of that. What you know, one may simplistically call bad behavior, even in opposition benches, and even when the opposition are given the chance to govern in municipalities. And I think that that's an interesting uh, uh, a dynamic going into next year's election, the hyper-fragmentation of opposition and the lack of a very serious alternative contender, mm. even with 30 years of ANC failures. No, absolutely. And I, I think one of the interesting questions to me as well is because there's such a, a tenor of criticism justified because the country is quarter to falling apart. Yeah. The question also needs to be raised, um, what has President Ramaphosa done right? Mm. And what, what has the ANC done right? And I wonder, you know, with the hindsight of this book, your, your work, what you think has gone well? Um, in the last five years, because of course we we're all well aware of what hasn't. For for example, one thing I'll certainly concede is there's no real attempt by at least the top of the presidency of like intense state repression. Mm. I don't feel like people and journalists are worried about actually being repressed by the Ramaphosa administration. Mm. Uh, and there was a period where. It was actually getting a bit worrying, like, uh, you know, you, you felt you might be targeted for, mm. for criticism. And, and I think Ramaphosa can actually take criticism relatively, mm. relatively well. Um, I should know, ha having been one mm -hmm. of his, his strongest critics. Um, but yeah, what about the other side of the coin? What do you yeah. think has gone well? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I, I, I said this uh, to someone 
um, recently, and I and I reflected in a column on News Twenty Four mm. when I turned thirty, and I said I had gone to a an engagement with President Ramaphosa in a, in July, around July, and it was a close-knit group of ed- editors and, and ju- senior journalists, and we were talking to the president. And the president wanted to hear, you know, criticism from us around, particularly about the, the, the debacle of the journalists that went to 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 Poland for mm. the, the mm. peace visit or the, the um, negotiations that, that the African heads of state tried to embark on uh, between Russia and Ukraine. And I had said to him... Uh, your foreign policy is wishy-washy. Mm. So I look mm. the president in his eye, right? And I mean, that was not the, the most uh, harshest uh, sort of criticism I've, I've leveled against the president. Yeah, yeah. I had once said that he has quiet quit. And I... Yeah, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that classic column, yeah. So, 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 so I mean, and, and um, a colleague who, who, who is from another African state was sitting next to me. Mm. And he had said to me as we were driving back to Joburg, uh, he says, you know, you you guys take for granted the ability, A, to ask your president questions. And I said, well, it's a very rare occasion because he generally doesn't take questions. And he says, the ability for a 30-year-old journalist to Mm. say to a head of state, Mm. your foreign policy is wishy-washy, and the president taking it. uh, And there's no fear of reprisal. There's no fear of arrest. And I said, that's not his favor to me. Mm. That is the positives of democracy yeah. that was very, very, um, you know, expensive, right? And so the favor, the, the so, 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 so the, so the, so the conversation around is South Africa a failed state is a silly conversation to have, right? And why I say that is because, because if we, co- if we all, if we all chip in and we, all, or we all repeat the chorus that South Africa is a failed state, it will inevitably become a failed state, right? But our st- institutions are still functioning. Democratic institutions are not at the peril, or not at, uh, you know, not in such a uh, perilous situation as it were maybe five, eight years ago. We 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 had very seriously reached the brink of of some sort of mafia state and state capture, and so the fact that the constitution still triumphs that years later. The fact that democracy is still the order of the day, the fact that the judiciary is still independent, mostly, the fact that the media uh, uh, acts free, um, uh, you know, without fear or favor is something that could have been off mm. track mm. had we gone down the path that we were already going on in 2015, 2016, 2017. And we don't take that for granted. But because state institutions are, are are surviving, does not mean that they they would not be further impacts to 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 or further efforts rather to 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 chip uh, against it. And so it, the fact that democracy survives today does not take away from the fact that there's efforts to subvert this democracy. Sure. And me and you sitting here cannot say confidently that thirty years from now on my 60th birthday, that this democracy is going to be what it is today. And so the idea of saying our democracy is fine is to say that do what you want to with it. 
And so what this book seeks to challenge is this notion that politicians, the future of South Africa is intrinsically linked only to what the politicians decide to do or not do. And it takes away, and a, a, a former Deputy Chief Justice, Dehan Mutsuneke, uh, often talks about this. The idea of agency, the idea of being your own liberator, of taking your personal responsibility in the role of, of now a country, you know, back then when, when, when we had to fight for this democracy, and now in 2024, uh, you, where you have to fight for the sustaining of this democracy. And so when people say 1994 is, 2024 is our 1994, it's an interesting thing. Some people say it's hyperbole because every election is an important election, right? But, and, and the second criticism around, that, around that, that ideology is that the ANC is not an illegitimate government as it was in 1994 where people sure. were voting out an illegitimate government. But that's not it. The notion of 2024 being as important as 1994 is that it's, the country is at the precipice of change, yeah. whether you like it or not. There's a new phase of this democracy. Mm. And what that looks like, we are yet to determine. And what we try to do with the book is sort of sketch out what that new phase uh, 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 um, uh, uh, can look like. Yeah. The idea is not to, to dictate and say, this is what's going to happen, because if we were able to do that, then we were not living in a democracy and we would be living in, you know a country that starts with the R, up, up North Africa, <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> you know, mm. where, where elections are predictable. And so the idea here is to say we are at the precipice of something, and anybody who denies that yeah. is denying the reality. Let's just hope after this interview we aren't both arrested, by the way, because that could also happen, and that would be awkward. <laughs> but... <laughs> that would be very awkward. <laughs> um, no, absolutely, and and let's let's get onto that future because you do start to sketch potential futures and, and also potential configurations after 2024. We haven't really, I feel like as a country, appreciated just how new everything could be after this election mm. and, and how many unexpected things could happen once the ANC no longer dominates the political landscape. Mm. Uh, talk us through some of the some of the unexpected and new things that could be on the other side of this 2024 election? What I, what I appreciate about the this democratic system and the governance system in South Africa is obviously we have three layers of, 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 of governance. You have national, provincial, and, 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 and local government. And I think what has ha been happening at local government is a good dress rehearsal for what could happen in provincial or what will happen on provincial level sure. and what could happen on a national level. And so we now... No, multiple things. Number one, the ANC will not rule until Jesus returns because Jesus has returned in some way. Yeah. Uh, and someone made the joke that uh, he probably is en route to KZN and is just having a pit stop at Harrismith, but I will not continue <laughs> with that joke. Um, but but so, so, so when you talk about positives, the positive is after 30 years of democracy, there's a liberation movement that is aware of a possibility that they could be voted out. Mm. And you're not dealing with a situation where we are worried that if their majority is 
reduced that there would be all sorts of manipulations and 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 yeah. and, and, and yeah. not not just yet, right? Agreed. So I, I so think, so so, yeah. so the fact that we have scenarios where the ANC had been booted out of of office and they accepted that yeah. uh, in municipalities. That's interesting. Yeah. Secondly, we have the different configurations of what can happen based on the municipal scenarios. And 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 for me, that's an important, it's important to understand of how these things play out because politics never ever happens just in a vacuum. It always had the, there's always a reference point. And so the one the one possibility, the ANC just kind of clinches a majority. That's your that's your yeah. that's your manga wung example, what we call yeah. a manga wung example, yeah. where the ANC just got one seat extra. Yes, they're governing, but it's not without its turbulence because rogue Councillors, so you know MPs who disagree with the president could vote with the opposition. So mm. think it, it's mm. still it's still an unfortunate situation. Just just to focus on that because mm. that's a really interesting point. Because typically we think, well, oh, if the NC gets fifty percent plus one, well, then you know, twenty twenty four wasn't this big moment. But but it actually, really even if it gets fifty one, let's say, yeah, that that's a different ball game. Like when I was watching the vote on the new public protector, yes. Something happened that I'd never seen for before, which was they were counting the votes, and you could see in the ANC MPs' faces that they didn't know if they had the votes mm-hmm. or not. And I was like, "That's what Parliament is supposed to be like. You're not supposed to be able to a always, rubber stamping yeah, of the executive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, even if the ANC is at fifty-one, every vote that goes to Parliament could be like that. Yeah, and and it changes the game in terms of. Okay. Yes, you can comfortably appoint the the the, the parliament. Uh, the ANC can uh, uh, elect the the president from its sure, members. Sure. Um, but but what happens when you need to change change the constitution? What happens when you need you know legislative change? Yeah. When when your when your MPs just don't show up for a sitting, mm. right? And yeah. then and then majority just doesn't go into your favor. It changes the game and that level of scrutiny and the breathing down your the 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 neck of the ANC, a fifty plus one it means a kind of eight around seven to eight percent uh, uh, um, um, loss uh, percentage point loss, and 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 that is significant. Oh, yeah. That yeah. is, I mean, some people are you know predicting, you know, massive you know fifteen twenty percent, mm-hmm. which which mm-hmm. we've not seen in electoral yeah. uh, he, recent electoral history in South yeah. Africa, but that scenario of the ANC just about clinching a majority is 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 a possibility but at the same time it doesn't come without its pitfalls mm. then mm. you have the what i call the rustenberg scenario where the anc's majority declines but it only needs one or two smaller opposition parties to help it so sure. you give al jamaa seat you'll mm. give you know uh, someone the else next al jamaa becomes the president of the country <laughs> <laughs> just like we've seen crazier <laughs> things uh, so 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 so, so that, that that's that 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 scenario yeah. where the NC majority reduces to below fifty percent, but then can strike deals with one or two smaller mm. political parties mm. to take it above the fifty plus one yeah. threshold, and things are relatively stable. And you know, patronage networks around you know rewarding yeah. coalition partners with positions, etc., saves them. Sure, right? And I think that, and and this is an assertion we make in the book, that some of the deals that they made on local level is kind of an insurance policy for that scenario. Interesting. So whether it's your AIC, whether it's your mm. your 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 Patricia Delil's good, yeah. whether it's your Al Jamaa, for example, these parties are more likely to side with the ANC sure. than they would with the opposition. Then comes mm. the scenario of the ANC uh, losing its majority um, 
the ANC losing its majority by by at least you know to the lower 40%. In that scenario, it has two options. It can either go with the second largest party, yeah, which is the Democratic Alliance, or the EFF would be the third largest party, as the polls predict at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where things get interesting. Oh yes. Be- so so to, talk us through the first scenario. We'll get into the second as well. But your book makes some interesting revelations, as yeah. it were, about a grand coalition between the ANC and the DA and yeah. how that has actually been contemplated in more depth than we, we understand. Absolutely. I think that, that the ANC uh, or factions of the ANC believe that it was inevitable that when when it comes to crunch time that they would have to just work with the EFF and that would yeah. be an easy effort, right? And the EFF is expecting that in mm-hmm. terms of how they kind of co-opting ex-ANC uh, sort of RDT, Zuma supporters into their ranks, etc. right? Um, the problem is the dress rehearsal in Gauteng hasn't been going well between ANC and EFF because the EFF has a very overtly stated objective, which is not particularly wrong or right, is that we want to eat this crocodile from the inside out, right? And so that's very, very targeted. Sure. So the relationship between the ANC and the EFF in Ikuruleni has been dismal. Jobik has not been too bad, mm. but Ikuruleni is the sore point. Right. Westrand is not great. Um, and, and there's some issues in, in, in Etiquini as well. And so then there's this kind of growing voice to say we cannot side with the ANC on a national level, If I mean with the EFF on a national level, if it comes to that, because the demands that the EFF is going to put is going to... Obviously, there's that factional battle that's going to definitely sure, play sure. out. So you have... it. So what the ANC does, whether it, it, it courts the DA or it courts the ANC, and that's if the, if the DA is amenable to it, yeah. which we understand that they now are overtly against it, but mm. there is a... There is a um, tolerance or, or, the, or a realization that it may come to that. The idea is the stability of South Africa and its future is at risk come 2024. And think about having a situation like a Johannesburg situation in, in national government where the president goes to Unga in September and then there's a motion of no confidence and a few small opposition parties who are siding with the ANC gets you know, slips a brown envelope or gets convinced of positions and then there's a there's a motion of no confidence. The current system is so unsustainable. And there's a there's another theme, I mean we don't explore it in detail in this book, but I think it's going to be part of, of public conversation going forward, is that there's a level of undemocraticness, I don't know if that's a word, uh to 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 how the coalitions have been playing out in South sure, Africa. Sure, yeah. To the fact that a party with nine thousand votes can become the mayor. Mm. That we ha- we do not have uh, proper thresholds in terms of who can make it to government or not, and that small opposition parties with a few thousand votes can become deal makers in in what becomes. And so it's not the votes of the you know the majority say that that makes it. It really then becomes you know uh, the who pays the highest price you know sure. for for these votes, and that's very scary. The secondly is like. The, the coalition frameworks and legislation or, or has to be amended. The, there has to be some conversation around motions of no confidence. Sure. How can you just unseat a president constantly? Yeah, and what yeah. does that do for the stability of the state? And what yeah. does that do for the for the for the the integrity of 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 the republic? Look, that, that happening in Joburg is tough to take, but 
we can just about soldier on. If if that starts happening at the national level yeah. every two weeks, we could be in for a no, very absolutely. bumpy five years. Absolutely. And then what happens to to you know to the fact to 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 now the the new introduction of independent candidates mm. in 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 the national assembly where we now going to have three ballots which i don't think people have realized obviously we're waiting for the constitutional court to yeah. to rule on the matter but you effectively going to have three ballots um you're going to vote for for in the province you're going to vote national to national and then province to national and so independent candidates and and the role that they they play in forming allegiances yeah. and, and 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 voting uh, uh you know with with, with either the opposition or with the ANC yeah. it creates a room of instability now i always say that we we're not assessing uh coalitions and what it can bring through the lens of it, what's good and what's bad it is what it is the question is what we do with this what we do in preparation of an eventuality if not this elections next elections but and and how do we how do we prepare for what's to come things around the fact that coalition agreements are secret that we don't know what coalition what we don't know what is at the center of the agreement between the AIC the EFF and the ANC Nicoleleni now imagine sure. that playing out at a national level imagine every single cabinet meeting being a nego- a pre cabinet meeting there has to be a negotiation about which bills get passed by cabinet or not mm. Just think about what it means just in terms of service delivery and in terms of the state actually, t- the wheels of the state actually yeah, turning. Yeah. And we see a really, really good example of the consequences of political uncertainty um, on the civil service as we see in Johannesburg, as we see in other metros. That when things are dysfunctional politically, it just inevitably translates into a failure of the bureaucracy. Yeah. And then when the bureaucracy fails, that's when you are without electricity for five days and when I don't have drainage for two months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess on that note, again, to come back to your knowledge of the Ramaphosa presidency, there's a really interesting opening to the book as well where you go into that moment where he was on the verge of resignation and mm-hmm. talk us through how he was walked back from that. What, how do you think he survives in each of those different scenarios? And do you think he remains president uh, or intends to remain president uh, in each of those scenarios? I think that whatever the election outcomes plays into the hands of, of ANC factionalism and what succession looks like in the ANC going into 2027, is it? Yeah. And so so we we are yet to see um, the full extent of that because what the ANC does really well is that when it comes to an election, when it comes to crunch time, they're able to rally together sure. very, very well. But will they be, whatever the outcome is, will be used in his favor or in his, uh, 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 or against him. And so the idea, you know, when you, around the, the 2022 uh, ANC internal election yeah. was that we need a figurehead to carry us across the finish yeah. line in the next election. And the only person to do it is Cyril Ramaphosa. And, and that, by the way, very interesting sections in the book about how that all happened. And yes, the viewers and listeners should also read it to understand what was going on behind the scenes in these key moments. Also, the thing is that what you what you what we have come to realize is that a lot of the support for Ramaphosa or the people that carried him across the finish line in 2022, mm. Nazrek 2.0, were people who may not be 
his avid supporters mm. and people who actually may be against him on many levels, but understood the need for him in sure. that moment. Yeah, yeah. And that's why that desperation to talk him off the ledge of resignation with the Palapala situation was that if he goes, that opens the way for someone like Paul Mashatila. You'd see on the cover of the book, we have people like John Steenhazen, Ramaphosa, Julius Malema, Herman Mishab, but we also have Paul Mashatila. Yeah. Because Paul Mashatila is an important uh, player. He does not hide his ambition for the highest office. Mm. I think since he came into office, he's probably the busiest deputy president this country has ever had mm. in the sense of, you know, attending events and doing things and trying to be visible. Mm. Um, because uh, Paul Mashatile did not take the deputy presidency position on the basis that he's not going to make it to the presidency. Mm. There's a very deliberate uh, 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 pathway for him. Uh, he's not going to be a David Mabuza in any way. Mm. And so the idea is how urgent will that ambition and that and that hunger for the highest office be with him and what does that play out in terms of the internal cracks within the ANC yeah. going forward. And so a, a lot of, that's why I say, a lot of what happens, the outcome of the election uh, 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 plays into that fracture, especially then when the if. Uh, the ANC loses its majority on a national level, how that plays out into the ANC uh, 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 factionalism. What we understand about Ramaphosa is his uh, his, his uh, thirst and, 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 and need to protect his legacy and to protect his image as this Mandela-esque kind of unifier uh, 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 leader. And so there's always an effort to, to almost not, uh, um, you know, wrestle in the mud. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when you see what has happened subsequent uh, to that in terms of Palapala, you also see political tactician at play. So there's a bit mm. of a bit of kind of on one hand that 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 level of um, of larger than life, I'm I'm bigger than the you know, than petty politics. But at the same time you seeing um, you know, ferocious efforts to 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 play politics mm, mm. Uh, uh, in in what we've seen play out uh, uh, around around uh, just if you just isolate Palapala. Pala, pala. Yeah. So. So 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 what happens to 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 Ramaphosa? I think that he has shown that he does not have the appetite to want this very much, and I think that has been his strength, especially in the last year. Where I don't need to be here, so if you so so that 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 looming threat of we're going to get rid of him loses its its mm, sharpness mm, mm. because, well, the man doesn't want to be there. <laughs> but the, on the other hand, it has consequences for the country because yeah. you need a president who wants to do his job, and so the idea then of, um, and I mean, to to be fair to him. Mm. It has it has almost neutralized his internal political opponents. Therefore, you see movement around privatization, where in the past you probably would have seen a lot more contestation, or you see movement around public sector working with government in terms of energy reform, um, and you see movement in in the criminal justice system that you haven't seen before. So, so I'm saying we we're being fair to the man, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. But but at the same time, you also you also see political opportunists sit back 
mm. and wait for you to hang yourself enough yeah, and yeah. then see and be ready to seize the moment when the moment arises. And that moment's yeah. never going to be before an election. It'll always be after an election. Well, what's fascinating about that is that we we've never had a president who was prepared to walk away from the presidency as much as as Ramaphosa. So he's not going to do anything to stay there. Hmm. Um, Which is a good and bad thing. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. And But ironically, the time that the ANC might need Ramaphosa the most is if they fall below 50 because Ramaphosa can't do a lot of things, clearly. Hmm. But one thing he can do is, is cut a deal. Hmm. Cut a deal which which usually leaves him at the top of that deal. Yeah. You know, so he can cut a deal for power and he can he can talk across the aisle quite yeah. well. Yeah. And so he would be the perfect person to try and bring together a coalition yeah. with the ANC at the head. Um and it it might be ironically at that time that he's no longer actually yeah. there. I mean, you know, I observed him very closely during uh the BRICS deliberations mm. earlier this year. And you see him, uh, and I mean, we talk about this in the book, you know, around COVID and, 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 you know, the person that the president that he was on the international scale. It's almost like a tale of two presidents, right? Yeah, yeah. When it comes to deal making, when it comes mm. to negotiations, when it comes to consensus building, yeah. we cannot underplay Ramaphosa's prowess mm. in, in, in bringing people together. Yeah, even holding the ANC together. And I even mean, holding the ANC together. That's why I say, I mean, if 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 ever there was a situation where you know somebody got the wrong job, uh, you you see it on 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 these displays of on especially on the international stage sure. where you say you shouldn't be president, you should be UN Secretary General, <laughs> you know, you should be uh, the head of the AU, you should be you know that 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 kind of kind of you know where 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 that consensus building is enough. Yeah. Where, where, but when you run a country, unfortunately, as much as mm. they are positive green shoots, and they are, it's that, that urgency that's necessary, yeah. the, the ruthlessness that's necessary, the, mm. the, the ability to make hard decisions supersedes any other positive uh, uh, intent. Yeah. And so the idea then to say, um, you know, this deal-breaking, this negotiations, the skills... How much of it deals with the urgency of the problems that we're facing? And when you look at this, the crisis around the economy, when you look at the crisis around state-owned enterprises, when you look at the just the crime situation, you mm. understand mm. that you it's you're dealing with the, you're dealing with a situation where um, where where the 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 deal making and the and the and the and the, and the consensus building etc is not yielding results fast yeah. enough and therefore the problem is not is actually getting uh, uh accelerated and it's getting worse and so that's that's the 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 trick the tricky balancing act yeah yeah absolutely there's there's a lot in this book um one of the interesting parts you break the book into three different parts but y you've got a part where you kind of survey different promises around the economy, ESCOM, state-owned enterprises. I want to come to one, which is about the criminal justice system and the NPA. Yeah. Because Ramaphosa and, and a lot of what the ANC is trying to do in this term is say, we know we got things wrong, but we are going to right the ship and we yeah. will deal decisively with questions of corruption. 
And of course, that ultimately comes down to whether the NPA actually prosecutes people. Mm. Um, we've seen some recent developments subsequent to the publication of this book with Machela Koko, for yeah. example, yes. that case being struck off the roll, the Nulania uh, case, um, of course, also, I think you do mention that, yeah. you know, going sour. Um, Hermione Cronier came in with a lot of energy. Um, she left. Do you think the NPA and, and that fight has been won or lost, or is it somewhere in between? I think that, you know, I I try to be quite level-headed around, around the, 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 the understanding of, of that space, right? You can't assess what's happening today without going back to where we were. Where were we? We were at a state where a head of the head of state basically repurposed the entire system of the criminal justice system for his own benefit and for that of his lieutenants. Is that the case today? No. So score, right? Do do we have an overt subversion of the law by the by those who are meant to protect and upkeep the law? Not as not to what we saw back then. Is there an effort to reform? Absolutely, we see it. Is the reform happening at a pace that is needed? No. Are things happening? Yes. But I make the argument that the pace of reform is too slow for the pace against the pace of yeah. of those yeah. holding on to the 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 the, the dysfunction and 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 all those who who benefited mm. from from the rot within. Mm. And so the institution so so if we if we take a tree for example it's so the, the you know the this side of the bark is rotting as quickly as the side of the mm. tree is growing. Mm. Mm. And so you have to constantly counterbalance this negative element of the of the criminal justice system whether it's the NPA or the hawks or, or, or the crime, uh, crime intelligence against this, this positive green juice, which are there. Yeah. And I mean, Peggy Kele spoke to the South African National Agents Forum uh, Council meeting over the weekend, and he says, as much as they are bad cops, they are also good cops because it's the good cops that arrest the bad cops. And I mean, that's that's a fair point. But the the question is is pace. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 the idea then is. When you have successes, that has to be juxtaposed at the against the losses. Mm. And so, mm. when we celebrate, because the country does, because everyone's, because the promise President Sonoma of course, I made it his electoral promise that mm. state capture offenders are going to be in orange overalls, and the fact that you don't really. Can you count it? Can you count anybody? That's you know. I can't, and and actually, it's got to the point where even the Chief Justice, uh, and I interviewed him. Yeah. And uh, I actually think people missed a lot of what he said in yeah. that interview because he said to me, he was like, "I can't believe basically how little has been done." Yeah. In terms of people who are in cabinet, who I said were involved in wrongdoing, who are just still there. So yeah. So, so on, yeah. on one hand, and the second, yeah. the second thing is. They, they, they were very simple, easy solutions recommended by the Chief Justice mm. against the exacerbation of state capture yeah. that has not been implemented. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at just the state security agency, the fact mm. that an effort recommendation to, ref, to, to amend the law is being used yeah. 
to actually pervert that space mm. even further. Mm. And you see it in, 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 in different iterations across across the state. Yeah, and so the, the idea then... Same that, with the NPA. That and we're same waiting with the NPA. for laws to be passed to actually yeah. do stuff. So now now you have this this ID that, yeah. you know, but it's, 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 it's never... It's it, it's it's not it's not empowered in the way that it needs to be yeah. empowered. Yeah. And so when you have a decision like you had uh, this week uh, with with uh, Michela Coco, uh, the case being struck off the roll, mm. an ordinary person in the public doesn't understand the technicalities of the law. They don't understand that some if somebody is if a case is struck off the roll, doesn't mean a person is innocent because there's reams and reams and reams of evidence before the Zonda Commission, before so many different tribunals around this particular case. The issue is it's just another example of the dysfunction of the NPA. And so one has to then question to say, who then takes responsibility? Mm. And at what point can we stop blaming the state captures? Mm. Similarly, the case with state-owned enterprises and Chancellor and ESCOM, yeah. at yeah. what point do you say, did you have to say, you no longer can blame Brian Mullet mm. or Machila Koko? Mm. At what mm. point is it to say that, yes, the rot in that era is widely documented and 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 accepted in 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 many quarters, but then, so so does that absolve the leadership of Andre Dreta and subsequent to mm, him mm. from any from any positive upshoots that's meant to have occurred or or, or any any yeah. changes that have meant to occur since then? So, so the same the same thing applies in the criminal justice system. So yes, while we applaud the fact that. You know, m maybe you don't have, uh, you know, people who are found to be willful uh, lieutenants of a, of a sitting head of state um, in key positions in, as deputy directors of, of, of public prosecution. At the same time, in, inefficiency can be tantamount to corruption. So that's that's the heartbreaking situation of where we are as a country. You have to choose your poison, you know. Yeah. Corruption or inefficiency; those are the mm. those are the options that we have, and mm. that's really, really sad. So let's come to the the writing of this book, your third. Um, what was uh, different about the writing of this book? I think that the so so writing this book sent me into a state of despair personally. Mm. Um, it also, so 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 one of the, one of the. If you ask people who know me, one of my main characteristics is I'm hugely optimistic as a person and mm. and hugely optimistic as a journalist, and the idea of always giving people and situations the benefit of the doubt. And I think that writing this book was important for me in trying to find the silver lining mm. and trying to find those green shoots and trying to understand that if we as a society, South African society, believe that this country is going down the drain, we are fast-tracking that process of the country going down the drain. Um, you forget a lot over the, of what happens over the years. Yeah. And so sitting down and forensically detailing what has happened in different areas, whether it's criminal mm. justice system, whether it was the, the state-owned enterprise, whether it's with the, the state itself, you understand what a rough ride South Africa had been in. Hmm. 
and it almost exhausts you in some ways. Mm. Mm. But writing this book for me was to say, all right, so, so everything's bad. What's good? Mm. What's going to sustain us for another 30 years? Um, and then obviously co-writing a book is, is, is interesting yeah. because you then come with different um, perspectives sure, sure. and you come with different worldviews. And obviously we don't kind of write the book at the same time. Mm, you know, mm, you mm. write the chapters that are, you are more stronger at and, and topics that you are more comfortable with. And sure. my co-writer, Adrian Besson, wrote, you know, especially the earlier chapters where, where, where he had obviously a, a firmer grip on. Yeah. But... This book is not to 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 just uh, regurgitate uh, headlines. This is to go deep into understanding why the, the, that that simple question that Tanin Eldorado Park is asking: Why is the DA not growing? Mm. So understanding why is the the DA where where it is? What are the EFF, EFF's growth prospects? And you can disagree with that, but we're trying to give you all the relevant information and the scenarios and, and, and analysis layered on top of each other so that you're able to understand things that, you know, perhaps confuse you or perhaps, you know, uh, are of interest to you. Um, what, what, what happens to, to smaller opposition parties? Um, what are their prospects? Um, you know, understanding things around the Electoral Reform and the Electoral Amendment Act, mm. what does that mean? So, so, so taking political theory or political abstract and trying to translate it to an ordinary South African. And I think what this book does, which perhaps, um, you know, my first book, uh, uh, Balance of Power, didn't do really well, was write for the ordinary South African, not write for the politically enlightened or the politically elite or the people yeah, who are interested yeah. or, or just those, you know, at the, uh, you know, uh, the, the upper percentage of society that's the, the chattering class. Mm, mm. This this book is meant to say, okay, we all freaked out about what is the future of the country. What are the options? What is possible? Where do we come from and where are we going? Well, Karnita Hunter, thank you so much for joining us on SMWX. Thank you very much for writing this book. Certainly an important contribution to South Africa's public discourse and one to read, especially in the build-up to the election, as you know, on this channel, we are really trying to get our head around the 2024 election. And this book is a really important resource for understanding what is built up to this election, what could happen during the election and after. So um, shout out to you for writing the book and thank you for joining us on SMWX again. Thank you very much. And I hope to be back before elections. Oh, think. yeah. Before, <laughs> after, during. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spread the fire and uh, like, share, subscribe and comment down below. Aye, aye.